0: of man's first disobedience, and the fruit of that forbidden tree, whose mortal taste brought death into the world and all our woe with loss of Eden, till one greater man restore us and regain the blissful seat, that shepherd who first taught the chosen seed in the beginning how the heavens and earth rose out of chaos. Well, what's going on? How is everyone? Y'all good? Nobody's awake. All right. Hey, there's a couple of people. Good to see you guys. Hey, if this is your first time here, you're your guest, welcome to LifeBridge. We're pumped that you're here. If this is your first time in the building in a year, welcome back. And if you're joining us online... Go ahead and take a sip of coffee for me. Welcome, guys. It's good to have you, too. Uh, today, we are in part two of a series called Paradise Lost. Like, all of the stuff that we see in the world, all the brokenness, all the mess, mess, the problems that we see all started in Genesis chapter three. All of it did. So the whole point of this series is to get us to open our eyes to see what's really going on today by looking back to what happened yesterday, That's the whole point of this series because every single generation throughout history is asking two questions. They're the same two questions that are being asked right now. Number one, why is the world the way that it is? And number two, How do we fix it? Both of those questions are addressed and answered in the Bible, and it all starts in Genesis 3. Everything that happened in that one specific chapter are the exact same things that are happening right now. So if we can look back and see what happened in that chapter, then we can see what's really going on today. Then we can know how do we move forward, and we can know what not to fall victim into, and we can actually see where the hope is. So the whole point of this series is we're going to look at Genesis 3 from all different kinds of angles, pulling things out that happened then so that we can see, oh yeah, that's that's the same stuff that's happening right now. Last week, if you missed last week, you can catch it on our website. Last week we started off with the very first accusation that Satan made against Adam and Eve. And it's the same accusation that, that is made against you and me every single day. The accusation is this. You're not enough. You're not enough in your personal, your private, your professional life, everything. You're just not quite enough. And the answer, the solution to that, the the answer to you not being enough is for you to reject God and become your own God. That's the answer. That's what Satan threw at them. And he he got them to believe that accusation by getting them to buy into a lie. And it's the same lie that you're gonna hear on a daily basis. If we don't expose the lie, then we're gonna have more and more problems. The reason why the world is the way it is, the brokenness that we see, the problems that that aren't getting fixed, is because we continue to buy into this lie every day. If you wanna know how the world is fixed, we've gotta expose this lie. Because if we don't expose it, if you buy into the lie, then you're gonna be blunt to what's really going on in the world. And you're going to be constantly disappointed by attempt after attempt, policy change after policy change, financial investment after investment, promising leader after promising leader. You're going to constantly be disappointed by all of those things falling short and not fixing the problems, not fixing the mess. Yeah, we might get a solution over here, but what happens is it's like putting your finger in the hole of a dam. You stop the water right there, but it starts sprouting out over here too. That's what's going on. That's gonna to continue to happen if we don't expose the lie. So let me ask you a personal question. Have you ever told a lie? Have you ever told a lie? If your hand is not up, you're lying right now. <laughs> you just lied in church, <laughs> holy cow. Okay, we've all lied, we've established that, right? So this is a real place, we talk about real things, it's safe, I'll go ahead and start off with confession. When I was a teenager, I had an issue with lying. I just did, like I I liked to lie. I thought I could deceive uh, and lie to cover things up, to get out of things, usually just really dumb stuff, but it never really worked. What I thought I could do is I could deceive my parents by just twisting the truth ever so slightly. That's what I thought, which is just a twisted way of saying I lied, but it never worked. I never ended up deceiving my parents. I would always end up deceiving myself, I would end up buying into whatever I was pitching as a lie. I thought it was true. Have you you ever been there before? Like where you've gotten so entrenched in something that isn't true to the point where you actually believe that it is. Have you gotten there? Like the only way to get out of that is if somebody that you trust and respect actually points it out to you and you're like, oh man, you're right. Or you get out of it way later when there's a lot of damage that's been caused and you can look back and say, man, how come I bought into that? Or... You're still stuck in it right now. Those are your three options. I also had a, a pretty toxic friendship that uh, I should have done, had nothing to do with. It was, it, was, it was with a person that was a very bad influence on me that continued to lie to me over and over again, a lot. And I believed all of the lies. It got to the point where I remember my dad came up to me one day and he said, he said Matthew, my parents call me Matthew. No, you don't get to call me Matthew. That would be weird. <laughs> He said, Matthew, when are you gonna open your eyes and see what's happening here? When are you gonna stop believing all these lies? And unfortunately, I didn't listen to my dad. I didn't listen to him at all until it got to the point where I got burned and betrayed by this person late in my 20s. And that point, the damage was done. I still have scars from that because I didn't listen. I didn't open my eyes. Like maybe the biggest lie Probably the biggest twisting of the truth the world has ever heard is still being told today, and it's still causing damage today, and every single person is vulnerable to falling into it. And when I say everyone, I mean, I mean everyone. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not, everyone can fall into this. The lies in Genesis 3, look at verse 1. It says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, the serpent is Satan. One day— He asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only from the fruit of that tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat of it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die? The serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Did God really say? That's it right there. It's a manipulative question. It's a question that doesn't want an answer either. What Satan just did right there is he introduced that God's word is subjective to our judgment. What he's saying there, this is an invitation to Eve, it's an invitation to you and me, it's an invitation for everyone to decide based on what they think, what they feel, what they think is the best way. We all get to judge what we think about God's word and give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. You see the problem with that? Did God really say wasn't a question, it was a statement. Satan's making a statement, not a question. He's saying, this is what he's saying to Eve. This is what he's saying to you and me right now. He's saying God's word isn't true. That's what he's saying. And He's smart, crafts it in a little question. God spoke creation into existence in Genesis 1 and 2. He spoke it into existence. Jesus is referred to as the Word in John 1 and in Revelation 19. Hebrews talks about how God's Word is alive and powerful. I mean, those are just a couple examples of the power of God's Word. So why would Satan not attack it first? He knows his power. So the very first thing he does is he tries to undermine it. And the same thing is happening today. Man, the Bible has always been under attack. The Bible is God's word. The Bible has always been under attack. It's still happening today. There was a French theologian in the 18th century. For the life of me, I can't remember the guy's name. He said this, the Bible is an anvil that has worn out many hammers. I love that. Isn't that a cool analogy? The Bible is an anvil that has worn out many hammers. It has been under attack since Genesis 3 and it's still happening today. But guess what? Here it is. It's still going strong. It's still going strong. You can't attack it and disprove it because you can't disprove truth. If it's not true, you can disprove it. You cannot disprove truth or you can't contradict it either. You might hear people say this, that the Bible is a contradiction, that it's full of contradictions. Maybe you've heard that before. It's not. It's not because a contradiction cannot stand up to the attacks. If this was a contradiction, it would have been destroyed a long time ago. Contradiction cannot stand up to the scrutiny that the Bible has faced for centuries. So Satan doesn't try to, to contradict it. He doesn't try to disprove it. Did you notice that? And not say anything about that. Why? Because he knows it's true. He knows it's true. He knows that you can't overpower it. He knows that you can't offer something better than this. He knows his only hope is to try to get you to dismiss it. That's it. Did God really say? That's an invitation for you to dismiss what he says. That tactic, that tactic is to get you and I to question God's word without even asking any questions. And I, I see this from time to time, maybe you do too, people that they assume That God's word says something or doesn't say something, but they've never read it themselves. They don't know what it says. They've just taken what other people have told them or maybe something they read online and they go with it. And maybe you've done that. But don't do that. Ask questions. Ask questions. Ask why. There's things in God's word that's tough to swallow. It's confusing, or it's like, man, that really rubs me the wrong way. Ask why it's there. It's there for a purpose. Don't just assume what other people tell you. Don't just assume what I say. Go to the source. Go straight to the source because if you become indifferent, you can be dismissive. If you're indifferent to what God says, then you can easily dismiss it. That's what Satan wants. He wants you to become biblically indifferent. Well, man, I wouldn't say that I'm indifferent. You know, if I'm just being honest with you, it's, it's kind of boring. No, no, it's not. In fact, if this was made into a movie, it would easily be rated R. Like with the war, the sex, the conspiracy, just to name a few things. I, mean, I, was, I, was my, I was reading Song of Solomon last week. That was part of my reading plan. And any of you that know what Song of Solomon is about? Yeah, that right there. Exactly. That's what it's about. And I'm sitting at the kitchen table, and my six year old comes up to me and goes, Daddy, what are you reading about? Kelly! <laughs> I don't know that I'm ready to have this conversation. It's not boring at all. Okay, Matt, well, it's just this old book that's, that's kind of archaic and outdated. No, that's not true either. Truth is timeless. Truth is never outdated. In fact, our culture is becoming more and more like first century Roman culture, which is the context that the New Testament was written in, which means God's word is not only timeless and true, it's actually becoming more relevant and more relatable to our lives in 2021. Okay, well, that, that's cool. I just, I just don't understand it. Well, can I push on you on that one too? That's not true either. If you don't understand it, it's just because you're not spending time in it or asking questions. It is completely understandable. I don't, I'm not saying that it's not hard. I'm not saying that there's stuff that isn't confusing. That for sure is. But if it wasn't understandable, then it wouldn't be God's work. I don't understand calculus. But that doesn't mean it's not true. It doesn't mean that I can't understand it. I just don't understand calculus because I don't spend any time in it and have no plans to do that either. Yeah, it's outdated. It's archaic. It can't be understood. It's boring. I don't have time. Those are all just lies that are fed to you and I to make us indifferent. Because if you're indifferent, you'll be dismissive. If you listen to, did God really say, here's what's gonna happen. Three things are gonna happen. You might even fall into these three things without even realizing it. Number one, you're gonna doubt God's power. Did God really say, you listen to that, you'll doubt his power? God's word is power. If you're doubting his word, you're doubting his power, which is going to lead you to number two you're going to doubt his goodness. Well, if God didn't really say this, then he's not good. He's not trustworthy. And if whatever he did say, I can't trust that either because God's not good, which is going to take you to number three you're going to replace God's way with human reason because God doesn't know what he's talking about, because he's not good, because I can't trust him, then I'm going to do what I think is best, what I have experienced, what I feel is right. Did God really say? That's intended to undermine his character, his power, and his purpose. It's, get, it's to get you to not trust his message or his power or his competence. And the whole point, the entire point, is to try to reinterpret our lives. That's what he's doing. I mean, if you're going to lie, you might as well go big, right? The lie in Genesis 3 has been trying to reinterpret the world, reinterpret our lives, and reinterpret what God really said since then, and that's still happening today. Constantly trying to reinterpret the world in our lives and what he said. So today it could sound like this. Did God really say there's only two genders? Because shouldn't we just let everyone pick? That, that doesn't affect you. Did God really say I shouldn't get wasted? I mean, I'm not. I'm not driving. So what's the big deal? Did God really say that He loves you? Because if He loved you, then He would just affirm you in whatever makes you happy. Because that's what God would want, right? He would want you to be happy above all else. Did God really say that all human life has intrinsic value? Even the life that's outside of the womb, not just the life that's outside of the womb. I mean, that kind of sounds like God's against women's rights. Did God really say that there's a design, a specific design and purpose for sexuality and outside of that design is eventual pain and loss? I mean, that just sounds like God is really constrictive and and closed-minded. Instead of asking, did God really say, ask, what does God say about sexuality? Like, what does he say about human life? What does he say about whatever, whatever subject is up for reinterpretation? Because we are constantly trying to reinterpret his words and his design. By the way, his design was perfect. It was meant for you and I, for everyone to flourish in. But we've rejected that. We've bought into the lie. We listen to the accusation and we try to figure it out on our own. I would say the reason why there is such an argument for God's word, for his perfect design, for the truth of it, is just looking at our world today. It's so messed up. It's so broken and jacked up and we're still trying to fix it. We're still trying to create this utopia that doesn't exist instead of going back to what he designed in the first place. The more you question, the more you try to reinterpret God's words and his designs, the more you're going to be like a rudderless ship out in the middle of the ocean. Constantly blown in every direction by the cultural winds, whichever way they're blowing that day. Never arriving at a port, constantly drifting, constantly taking on water, never knowing exactly where you're at or where you're going to end up. But you were designed so much for so much more than that. You were meant for purpose. You were meant for truth. You were meant to experience, not only know it, but experience the joy of God's design. Most of all, you were meant to experience the joy of a relationship with him. But make no mistake, make no mistake. There is a very real enemy that wants for nothing more than you to experience none of that. So what he'll do is he'll try to make you indifferent to his word and dismiss it. He'll try to get you to question God's goodness and his power. He'll try to get you to replace God's way with your own reason, your own thinking, your own experience, your own feelings, or somebody else's. He'll try to get you to be a part of the reinterpretation of our world that started in Genesis 3, and it's still going on as we speak. And he does all of that by saying, did God really say, That's why it's so important to know what he does say and why. There was a church in the New Testament that was really struggling with this. It's a church in in, in the city of Corinth, which was in Greece. And this church was was pretty jacked up. They did some messed up stuff. The stuff that they were doing in this church, today's reality TV shows would be like, oh, wow, like you can't make up that mess. So this guy named Paul writes him a couple different letters. He talks about how they're being deceived by the lie. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 11. This is the second letter he sent to them. He said, but I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. How is it corrupted? Just as Eve was deceived. That's how it's corrupted. Just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one we received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. Does that sound like today at all? Some really smooth-sounding messages? Talk that seemed to make sense, like, man, this, is kind, of, this kind of makes sense. So the, this, this group of Christians are like, cool, we're in. I mean, this is different than what God's Word said and what we've been taught and what we've heard and received. But you know what? You know, after talking to my neighbor, after what I saw on social media, after watching Fox News or CNN, man, this kind of makes sense. I I get it. It seems like this is applicable to, to where we're at right now. It seems like this is progress. Maybe this is just reinterpreting God's word to make it a little bit better. Cool, let's go with this. And Paul says, guys, you just bought into the same thing that Eve bought into in Genesis chapter three. And the same thing is happening today. There is so much smooth talk today it sounds good it seems like, you know what, that makes sense that's coming from a credible source and what's been added on to that actually today is there's so much emotional rhetoric today that if you don't get on whatever side of the emotional rhetoric it is, you don't want to be on that side of that wrath, so we just go along with it so some of the talk today could, here's some examples, it could sound like this you know what, all, all religions are essentially saying the same thing Have you ever heard somebody say that? No, they're not. (laughs) I mean, I'm not a scholar of other religions, but I've studied them a lot. And they're all saying different things. And all of them have fundamentally different beliefs than Christianity. First of all, Christianity is not a religion. It's not. Not a religion. Religion says, here's what you do to make yourself right. Here's what you do to get to God. Christianity is faith saying you can't make yourself right with God. But the good news is Jesus can for you if you believe in him, if you follow him. Every other world religion is about what you can do to get up to God. Christianity says you can't get to God. Good news, He came to you in Jesus Christ. Christianity is fundamentally different from every other world religion. Or maybe you'll hear this today. Here's another one Love wins, or love is love. And at first, when you hear that, you're kind of like, Well, yeah, of course it does. Of course, love is love. What else would it be? Love wins. Yeah, I can get on board with that. Why would we want anything else to, to win other than love? And, and if you don't agree with that, something seriously, seriously wrong with you, think, bro, you just need a hug. But when we hear that, when we hear love is love or love wins, you gotta define what love is. Because if love is just a feeling, then anything goes and it's no longer love. 1 John 4 says, God is love. That means love is not a feeling or a desire. Love is a representation and an action of God's character. So we know that God is true and everything in God's word is true. So anything that's outside of God's word describing love isn't really love. So here's how we would clarify those two statements love wins, love is love. Here's how we would clarify them God's love wins. God's love is love and it's amazing and it's for everyone to really love someone means that you're acting like Jesus to them which means you need to know the real Jesus in order to love someone with real love or you might hear this um, we know better now because of science you heard that before and I would say absolutely absolutely we do know better things now because of science. But science and faith are not opposed to each other. They're not. The world constantly pits them against each other. But actually this, the more we advance in modern science, the more it actually it affirms faith in God. Did you know that? It affirms the faith in God that created science. Like science and math are, are, are languages that, that should point to a creator. They absolutely do. But Satan wants to twist it a little bit, he wants to twist our view on science, wants to twist our view on math and say, no, 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 no. See, science is what's true. Whatever you're fed, that's true. And people in faith, they're just crazy. They're not opposed to each other. It's just a twisting of the truth. Did God really say? I mean, those are just a few examples. There are so many smooth sounding message to, messages today that, that seem to make sense, that seem to be good. But they're just clever ways of saying, did God really say? The example that Eve gives us, and the example that the church in Corinth gave us, is that if you don't recognize the lie, you'll follow the lie. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't wanna follow a lie. I don't wanna waste my life and waste my eternity on a lie. I've followed a lie before. I don't know about you, but I have. I don't want to do that again. These smooth sounding messages or arguments or emotional rhetoric that we hear today that is outside of God's word, it's a different Jesus like Paul says. It's a different spirit. It's a different message that claims to be good news. It's a different gospel that's not true. And if you listen to, did God really say, here's what's going to happen. You're going to believe in a Jesus That isn't real. What I mean is, you will create a Jesus in your mind that is customized to your liking. A Jesus that would act like you would if you were God. A Jesus that never challenges you or never confronts you or never makes you uncomfortable. A Jesus that always agrees with you and affirms you in whatever you think and feel. I hear this from time to time. I'll hear people say, you know, I mean, I love Jesus, I follow Jesus, that's awesome. And then when I hear them describe Jesus, It's not the real Jesus. It's a Jesus they created in their minds to make it a little bit more palatable and fit their own preferences. It's not the, the real Jesus we find in the word. Make no mistake, the real Jesus in the word, the real Jesus, he is far better than anything we could create on our own. But every single one of us is vulnerable to falling into that trap, me too. I've done that before, this is how Jesus would act, this is what Jesus would say, this is what Jesus would do because that fits my agenda. It's so easy to do that. When you listen to, did God really say? Did Jesus really say, oh, by the way, you can be like God? You know. You want to know what the lie says, what, what the world says? Instead of man and woman being created in the image of God, the lie says you can create God in your image. That's what's happening today. I mean, if I could, if I could sum it up, everything going on in the world in one statement, that would be it. All of us can fall into that. Satan is totally cool with you worshiping Jesus. The world is totally cool with you worshiping Jesus, as long as it's a Jesus made in your image. So if you're a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, can I ask you a a tough question? If you've been here for a while, you know I'm gonna do it anyway. I just always like to be polite and say it. Do you follow the real Jesus or Jesus that you've made up? It's a tough question, isn't it? It's kinda, of, it's kind of, I mean, let's be honest, it kinda of feels a little offensive, doesn't it? It's like, Matt, why are you up in my business? Back off, bro. I'm asking myself that question. Just so talk about it with someone. Talk about it in your group, talk about it with your spouse. And the reason why is for protection. Look, Satan approached Eve with the lie when she was alone, when she was away from the people she was created to be with, God and and Adam. That was it at that point. She was away from her community. You will hear the lie subtly or very directly when you are away from the people that you're meant to be with, when you're alone and isolated. I don't hear the lie when I'm with you guys on Sunday mornings. I don't hear it. I don't hear the lie when I'm with my small group. I don't hear the lie when I'm on a serving team. I don't hear the lie when I'm with Kelly. I don't hear the lie when I'm with friends that love Jesus too. There's strength in numbers, there's safety in numbers. Nothing good happens in isolation. Nothing good happens when you're alone, it doesn't. Now, does that mean if you're a Christian that you shouldn't have relationships with people that aren't Christians? That you should isolate yourself from the world? No, not at all. We're to be in the world, not of it. We're to be in the world. I have non-Christian friends. You should too. I'm out in the world every day just like you are. Just be more alert that you're gonna hear the lie a lot more and you're gonna be offered to follow it when you're alone or separated from people who love Jesus too. That's why it's so important to have community here. That's why it's so important to know what does God really say? Not what somebody else says. What does God really say and why does he say it? Do so you wanna know some things that he says? Jesus says this, it is finished. Meaning, the plan for redemption is done. Meaning, I've paid for your sin. I've made it possible for you to have a right relationship with God. You don't have to listen to, you're not enough anymore because I'm enough for you. You don't have to earn grace. You don't have to earn salvation. You don't have to earn my love. It's finished. And then he goes on in John 17 and he says, sanctify them, Father, sanctify them. Make them more like me, grow them. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And then he goes on and he says something that's just cringeworthy. That might make you walk away. People, when Jesus said this, walked away from Jesus in the flesh. He says in John 14, he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. That's incredibly exclusive. Is the gospel of Jesus Christ exclusive? Yes. Is Jesus exclusive? Yes. But the great news is he's entirely inclusive, meaning he's for everyone. We don't have to figure out the way. We don't have to guess. Is is it that way or is it that way? Or do I come up with a combination of different ways? No, Jesus says, forget all that. You don't have to guess. It's this way. I'm the way right here. And I'm for you if you want to walk this road. I'm for you. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It is exposing our innermost thoughts and desires. Proverbs 12.19 says truthful words pass the test of time, but lies are soon to be exposed. The hammers that are worn out by the anvil. And then Jesus wraps it up with this. He says this in Matthew 24, heaven and earth are going to pass away. They're going to be gone. They're going to pass away. But my words will never pass away heaven and earth, those are big things. Those are really big things. If they're gonna pass away, that means cultures are gonna pass away. Narratives, nations, ideologies, things that make sense right now, emotional arguments, all of that stuff is gonna pass away, but God's word won't. So hold on to what won't pass away. Hold on to what's not gonna be blown in all different directions from cultural winds. Hold on to what's not contradicting itself. Hold on to what is made to make you flourish and thrive. Don't be duped by clever sounding lies that are just gonna pass away one day. Hold on to God's word because our God speaks. The God of the universe, the God of the Bible, he speaks. Do you wanna listen? If you do, I promise you, you won't regret it. You won't regret it. Father, thank you for speaking. Thank you for being a God that's living and active that you've given us the gift of your word. Father, open our eyes up to see the narratives, the lies that are being presented to us that are trying to distract us from the truth. We know that your word is truth. We know that your word is for us, not against us. We know your word is meant to bring us life. We know your word is meant to point us to the truth. Thank you for that. Give us a hunger as people that claim to be Christians, like, give us a hunger for your word. Open our eyes to it, like, like the two guys on the, on the road to Emmaus when they met Jesus after the resurrection, and it says their eyes were open to the thing that the scriptures say. Make that true of our church. For people that don't know Jesus, that are joining us online, or that in this room right now, people in northern Colorado, man, give them eyes to see your word, to see the lies, to hunger for it, to hunger for the truth. Write your word on our hearts and our minds. Change us through it, Father. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So. <clears throat> if y'all are new here, um, just know, that, like, clapping right there, that wasn't clapping for me. That was just clapping for truth. That's all that it was, right? We, we want to celebrate truth and that we have this, right? So we're going to do it again. Let's do it again. Man, some of this stuff is kind of hard. And if you've got questions, come talk. Like bring questions. Questions and doubts are so welcome here. They're so welcome here. Come grab me. Come grab somebody in the lobby. If you're online, there's a number on our screen right now. You can text that number. One of our pastors will reach out to you. You can text that number during this week. Let's talk about stuff. Let's talk about stuff. And if you want to download the Bible reading plan, we've got a daily reading plan. You can go to our website, find it. It's, a, it's an app that's free. It'll just give you a prompting. Here's some stuff that you can read today and walk you through it, all right? Guys, it was great to see you this morning. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.